We're going to talk a little bit about investing today, and I want to give Maggie a big hand because she has been investing her time to learn how to operate the computer for us. If you haven't noticed in the past few weeks, she's been back there. And she came in today to no fault of her own and found that the computer system was not functioning right. So we called Brian, and Brian couldn't do anything. She adapted, she improvised, and she overcame. I want you to turn around and look at her. She has maintained her bearing through the entire thing. She has not shown that she is nervous. She has been in control and kept herself at peace. That is a lot to be proud of, and thank you for your service. Growing up, uh, my grandfather did a lot of farming and raising cattle as well, and there was always an investment in that because he never knew if he was going to get a return on that investment. He would plow the fields, plant the seed, fertilize. He would feed the cattle. But at the end of the season, when it came time for harvest, there was no guarantee that the harvest would be plentiful. But it was a choice that he made for the life that he led. He trusted in God in all things, in the good times and in the bad. So as we continue moving forward in the season of Lent, we need to remember that Lent is a time of repentance, a time for us to not just look inward at what's wrong, but a time to ask what it is that we can do that is good. Today's passage of Scripture will come from the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. At that time, some people came and reported to him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And he responded to them, Do you think that these Galileans are more sinful than all Galileans because they suffered these things? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Or those that the tower in Salaam fell and killed, do you think they were more sinful than the people who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree that was planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He told the vineyard worker, Listen, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it even waste the soil? But he replied to him, Sir, leave it this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. Perhaps it will bear fruit next year, but if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, we come before you today and we thank you for, again for the time that you've given us to gather here. Father, I just ask that you send your spirit into this place to open up our hearts and minds and help us to reflect upon the things that you would have us challenge ourselves with during this season. And then as this season passes, help us to hold on to those thoughts and insights as we continue to apply them to our lives. Father God, I ask that as we enter this part of the worship service that you empty me of any words that I should desire to speak, but fill me with your spirit so that every word that I speak would be pleasing to you and come from your throne. In Christ's name we pray. 
Amen. So this is an unusual passage of Scripture, I thought, at least the first time I read it, because it starts off with such darkness. Now, what was happening prior to that was Jesus was basically giving a dissertation to the crowds about how to live. And it appears that some of the people wanted to challenge Jesus on some of the thoughts. And that's recorded here in verse 13 where it says that at this time some people, and we don't know who those some people are, but some people came to him and wanted to ask him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with the sacrifices. Now, on that part of the scripture, we do not have a lot of history. Jesus was apparently speaking of something that, that he was aware of that happened in his community at his time, but it really wasn't recorded in history for us to fall back on. But what it does speak about is the truth about Pilate's identity. Now, there was a time when Pilate had made a plan with the Jews that they would partially finance some of his construction. And then the Jews wanted the money back. They changed their mind because they didn't want anything to do with the Roman Empire. Pilate sent people out into the crowds. And when he heard those people talking about wanting that money back, he had them killed. And what the people were asking was this of Jesus. Those people that, that were put to death by Pilate, were they greater sinners than the rest of us people that lived in Jerusalem? Because something bad happened to them, but nothing bad happened to the rest of us. And what they're trying to articulate is that, that if you sin, then bad things are going to happen to you. And then they go on to talk about the tower that fell and the 18 people who died. Again, this is not recorded in history, but apparently it's something that occurred during Jesus' time that he was, had knowledge of it. Salam was a small neighborhood outside of Jerusalem. And it's very likely that during the construction of this tower, something went wrong. And we don't know if it was bad craftsmanship if it was a storm that came through, but, but something happened that made this tower fall on people. And they asked Jesus again, are the people who died in this tower, were they being punished, is what he's asking, for their sins? Were their sins so much greater than mine that, that God called down judgment upon them and had them put to death? And to both accounts, Jesus said this, No, I tell you that unless you repent, you will perish as well. And it takes a minute to really think about what he's saying there. Is he saying that if I don't turn my life around, that bad things are going to happen to me? So let's be honest for a minute. Scripture is clear. All men have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is a text that can be given in present-day context. I sin every day. I fall short of the glory of God. Every person in humanity falls short of the glory of God because of their sin. That's why we worship God. That's why we praise Him, that, that because of our sinness and in spite of our sins, God still loves his children and has sent his son into this world to die on the cross at Calvary that we may be reconciled back to him. So no, Jesus is not saying that if you sin, God's judgment is going to fall down upon you. There are natural repercussions of sin. 
do not misunderstand me. That is the nature of sin. But I think what Jesus is saying here when he says that if you don't repent, you're going to perish as well is something much more deeper than what the people were asking for. That if we don't stop looking at all of the negative, then we're not going to see the positive that God has for us in our lives. We can spend the entire day talking about how somebody messed something up. We can spend all day long talking about if I had control over what was happening in another part of the world, it wouldn't be that way. I can spend the entire day blaming others or circumstances for what happens in life. That is stealing from us the blessings that God gave for us. He is concerned about the condition of our soul. And when we talk about our soul, we're not talking about our spirit that ascends to heaven when we leave this earthly body. When we talk about our soul, we're talking about our entire existence. God wants good for his children. And if we focus on the negative all the time, then the negative is what we will reap. But if we focus on the positive, on the good, on the opportunities, on the goodies, on the hopes and the dreams, then we can experience God in a new and living way. And I think Jesus begins to tell us about that when he talks about the parable of the barren fig tree. He t- he told this parable a man had a fig tree that was planted in his vineyard he came looking for fruit on it and found none and he told the vineyard worker listen for three years i've come looking for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any cut it down why should it even waste the soil and i think about that passage of scripture and i can reflect on my life and i'll go ahead and share that with you many times i have looked at people in my life And I wish that they hadn't been there. And let me explain to you why. Because the lives that they lived were destructive in nature. And they were destroying their lives. I'm not a farmer. I can't tell you about what it's like to to pull dirt up out of the soil or pull pull dirt up out of the ground and, and, and fertilize it. But I can tell you this about God and how he works in humanity. He loves his children, each and every one of them. And we as a people too many times cast away those people who don't fit the mold. And just like in this parable, somebody comes along and they look at that person, and maybe it's not a person but a concept or an idea, and you you look at it and you say, you know what, for three years I've been looking at this. For three years this person has produced no fruit. For three years this dream that I've been seeking after hasn't come to pass for three years nothing's happened get rid of it that's what they're telling the the people here it's not producing fruit quit give up don't mess with it anymore and that's what he told the person who was in charge of the field but the person who was in charge of the field looked at that fig tree with hope a little bit more than what the landowner presumably had. And he said, you know what? I'm looking at this tree here, and I'm thinking that maybe you're right. For three years, it's produced nothing. But if you will give me just one more year, 
to work with it. One more year to, to dig up the dirt around it, to, to fertilize it, to water it, to care for it, and to nurture it, then maybe, just maybe, within a year's time, that tree will start producing fruit. And I think that as Christians, that's what we are called to do a lot of times. Now, I will tell you from policing and dealing with the general population, police officers and even firefighters, if I'm not mistaken, have a short-term relationship with the people that we encounter. And the majority of the people that we encounter make a lot of bad decisions. They don't produce fruit. And we have seen so much of it that we become callous to, to what's happening in society around us. That we could possibly lose hope in the possibilities that God has for that person or that dream or that mission. But we as Christians have to stand a little stronger, stay a little bit longer, and fight that good fight. Sometimes on behalf of others. People come into our lives for a reason. And none of them are perfect. And if we get so lost in, in our own lives, our own missions, which oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes, involves getting the new item, buying the next car, getting the nicer house. Then we forget about the very reason that Christ came into this world. Christ said, I didn't come for those that are healthy. I came for those that are sick. And when we take up our cross to follow Jesus, it becomes our responsibility to care for the dying and to care for those who are wandering to take those people who are faltering or wavering in the fulfillment of their dreams and empower them to continue forward, to, to point the lost in a new way, to be a friend like they've never had before. It's hard to, to be that friend to someone because, you know what, they have a, a group of people that they already travel with and more than likely they're, they're like-minded with the person that we would be concerned about, the, the person that, that we want to cast off to the side. They're probably not going to help them out because they're just going to tell them, you know, keep doing what you've always, always done. We're right there with you. We got your back. As they continue down that same destructive path that that the the other person that we're concerned about is but when we can come into their lives and do it wisely 
we can be that farmer in their lives that, that uproots the dirt around them and, and the, the roots that are up under the ground and bring nourishment to them. Now, we're not to be so involved in their lives that we let their lifestyle impact ours. We protect our lives and we protect what God has given us. We love even if we love from a distance. And this is what love looks like. When that phone call comes in the middle of the night and you got to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to work, we don't tell that person, I'm sorry, I can't help you right now. We talk to them. And we speak words of truth to them about their condition without judgment. Not to, to bash them, not to, to make them feel bad, but, but in hopes that, that they will see the truth about what they're doing. In hopes that they will turn their lives around. But we have to invest ourselves in that. And we may not get a return, or, or we may not get the return that we think we want from that investment. Because sometimes we think, that because I've done such good for somebody, that God will allow no harm to come to me. I heard somebody say one time concerning the prophets, and they were talking about preachers, and they actually made the statement to me. I said, well, well, you're with God. You can say what you want, do what you want, whatever God calls you to do, and you're protected. No harm is going to come to you. And I looked at that person, and I laughed at him because there's no truth to that. When we look back over history at the prophets and the things that they suffered at, giving, at the time that they were performing the will of God in their lives, it is unbearable to think that I could even encounter a portion of what they did. But that's what we're called to do, carry the burdens of others at a cost to us. You see, the return on the investment may not be something material, it may be gratification in your own heart when, when you see that person that society was going to throw away. Come to that point in their life where they are so broken that, that they have nothing and no one else to call on except God. And at that time, God comes into their life and creates a new person with a new hope and a new passion. You may get that as your reward. And your reward may continue on further than that. You may have the opportunity of seeing that person progress further on in life. And allow that to be your satisfaction. Well, you may not be around at all to see when the change comes. I love my Baptist friends. And I had one that they would tell me quite often, you know, this person over here, brother so-and-so, he is the most awesome witness because he can go to somebody's house and within 10 minutes they will accept Christ in their lives and they will be an immediate recognizable change in that person's life. And I am so happy that that person could be there. 
But we need to understand is this, that before that person came into the picture, there were probably 15, 20, 25, 30 other people who came before them planting seed after seed after seed after seed into that person's life. So you may not see the reward right then and right there. And somebody else may get credit for it further down the road. But make no mistake, when we leave this world and we enter the kingdom of heaven, your reward will be great. I'm avoiding going somewhere here. When we take on the task like this man did, when he said, I know you have the power and the authority to take this tree and cast it aside. I want to ask of you one thing. Give me one more year. One more year can be the turning point for everything that you've hoped for. That one more year can be the answer to your prayer. That one more year can be the difference between life and death. But there are rules that we have to follow. Rule one is we don't have all the answers. And if we think that we, we have all the answers, then we're going to encounter a lot of problems. When I was first called into ministry, much like many of my other friends, when we experienced God's calling, we went down to the altar and we, we knelt and received that calling and then we went forward to the pastor and said, you know what, I'm here, God called, we're ready, let's hard charge, let's go get it because God called, therefore I know everything that I need to know to accomplish the mission. That is a dangerous, dangerous thought. And what's even more dangerous is acting on it. Walk slowly and hear these words of wisdom. And here's why I say they're words of wisdom. Because I fell in my prideful state thinking that I knew how to handle it all when I didn't. Wisdom is what we learn from our mistakes by not repeating them over and over again. And wisdom is also what we learn from the mistakes of others so that we don't experience their failures. 
Jesus said in the book of Luke, chapter 12, 54 and 56. He also said these words to the crowds that when you see a cloud rising in the west, right away you say a storm is coming. So it does. And when the south wind is blowing, you say it's going to be a scorcher. And it is. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why don't you know how to interpret this time? And what I'm getting at is this. We have grown up knowing what the weather is going to do, how it's going to perform, and we can, we can look at the trees, we can look at the clouds, we can look at the suns, and, and we can predict what's going to happen. We may or may not be right, but we can make an educated guess as to which way things are going to go. And if we, we can't interpret those signs, then instead of just making a decision based on whatever information I have at hand or whatever thoughts are running through my mind or, or whatever passion I have burning in my heart, do research. Find other people who have experienced the same thing. Find people who have already been through what you've been through. Find people who have been faced with what you are facing. Get their knowledge and their experience and apply it to your circumstance. Learn to know what the signs are. Because just continuing to, to beat ourselves forward into something, hoping that something is going to happen, hoping that I'm going to force something to happen, is not always productive. We want to stay in the race. We want to stay passionate about what it is that we want to do. But there comes a point when we have to stop and ask ourselves this. Is what I'm doing or how I'm doing producing fruit toward the fulfillment of our goal? Is what I'm doing, the, the way I'm communicating to this person who is wondering, being effective? Am I speaking to them in a manner that they understand, that touches their heart, that, that provokes thought? Is the, the plan that I've laid out to carry out a task to achieve a goal somewhere further down the line is what I'm doing working. And if it's not, recognize those signs. It doesn't mean that, that, that you're, you're lacking in any form or fashion. It means simply this, that God has put you in a position to grow and experience his power and given the opportunity for us to press forward into whatever it is that we're trying to save. God didn't put something in your path for it to be ignored. He didn't put something in your path for you not to be able to conquer. And when you walk with God and performing His will, He will provide for you every means necessary to accomplish that task. But sometimes, It means asking help from someone else. 
It means relying on someone else's experience other than your own. And it may mean this, that the work we put in today, we may not see the fruits of until sometime down the road. But keep fertilizing that tree. Keep watering its roots. Search for the wisdom of God. And don't give up. Even if I myself come out there and tell you, give up. Be wise. Know the signs. Ask for help. And accomplish everything God so desires for you. We invest our time not like we invest money. We invest money, we may get a return, we may lose it, but guess what? We can always get more money. But when we invest our time, it's spent. We can't get it back. So spend it wisely. So as we close, remember again that in the season of Lent, it's not just a time to reflect. set something aside for 40 days. But it is a time for us to make a change within our lives so that we can press forward and achieve those things that God has for us. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today and thank you for the time that you've given us together here. And Father, as we close the service today, just ask that you be with each and every one of us as we face our tomorrows, as we face those people or those hopes and dreams that that you put in our lives to where we invest our time help us to know father that life happens circumstances that are out of our control that we can't change but we can change how we respond to them help us father god to to choose life a life that is spent focused on you the change that you have within us and the power that you have given us to change the world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord make his face shine upon you, and may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.